0: It's time for Talking Michigan Transportation, a podcast devoted to the conversations with people at the forefront of the ongoing mobility revolution. In the state that put the world on wheels, here's your host, MDOT Communications Director Jeff Cranston. Once again, it's the Talking Michigan Transportation podcast, and I'm here with my friend and colleague, Lloyd Brown, who is the director of communications for the American Association of State Highway Transportation Officials. AASHTO, along with a couple of key associations uh, advocating for transportation in Washington, came out with, with pretty strong statements endorsing the selection of former South Bend Mayor Pete as transportation secretary. Um, I liked, Lloyd, that the Washington Post put it this way, the choice of Buttigieg who sought the Democratic presidential nomination and has an ardent following among some members of the party will bring a dash of star power to what is normally a staid, if important, department. Is that fair?
1: I think it is, and I think that
0: we are looking forward to working with the
1: new administration. We are fortunate that because Ashto represents all 50 states plus D.C. and Puerto Rico, that we can be uh, fairly moderate middle of the road and and look for ways for uh, all the various points of view to come together and, and collaborate. Um, but we do stand for certain things. And uh, among those are safety and fully funding the Highway Trust Fund and investing in infrastructure. And, I'm, and uh, those are things that most administrations, Republican and Democrat, have been able to get behind. We're looking forward to seeing how that works with the with the Biden administration, with Mayor Pete at the helm of the USDOT.
0: So I wonder if the people talking about experience, because that's what you're hearing a lot about, um, understand the value of having a, a very inspiring orator out there communicating about transportation and its impact on social justice as well as economic development. I mean, to have somebody that dynamic Uh, really elevates the the profile of transportation and and what needs to be done, doesn't it?
1: Well, transportation is going to be in the crosshairs in the next three to four years. We know this because of the uh, focus on uh, uh, severe weather and the impacts of climate change and the desire to see a reduction in greenhouse gas emissions. And so, uh, transportation tends to be where the main focus is because largely the energy resources that were previously the biggest emitters of greenhouse gases have been converted and have been have been uh, have reduced their emissions and so transportation is where you see most of the most of the greenhouse gas emissions and and uh, so whether we like it or not transportation is going to be in the focus we want to make sure that as we're looking at transportation we're not just looking at the At the fuel source, we're looking at the the infrastructure itself, because ultimately, regardless of the fuel source, people have a need to move. The economy has a need to move, and whether it's four wheels, two wheels, or two legs, uh, you have to have good infrastructure
0: to get people where they need to go. Yeah, no matter how you uh, get around, you really need kind of smooth surfaces to do it.
1: Yeah, and we we learned that back in the turn of the twentieth century, when it was the, uh, the the bicycle lobby that really came forward and pushed for the first uh, paved roads way back at the turn of the century. So uh, the bicyclists have led the way, and it was the automobile later that came in and 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 really made the case for it. But we wanted to get people out of the out of the mud. We wanted to get farmers out of the mud. Uh, then we wanted to have a be able to drive across the country without stopping in the, in the 1950s. And now, uh, you, you know, we're looking at a new vision of transportation really as a potential solution to solving some of our nation's greenhouse gas emissions and some of the other environmental concerns. But you also mentioned environmental justice. And I think that the, the concerns about transportation as a – is harkening back to the 50s, 60s, and early 70s – transportation infrastructure as a way of dividing communities and and, uh, eliminating uh, uh, historically uh, minority communities. Uh, We we have to account for that, and I think that there's going to be a lot of focus on that in the next couple of years uh, in this administration. And so you'll see lots of discussion about transportation as a source of equity and transportation as a source of access to jobs and other things that communities need to be robust and thriving
0: so for a washington state guy you just gave a really nice nod to michigan history because i don't know if you realize that the founder of the michigan department of highways that became the michigan department of transportation horatio good road earl uh got onto this whole thing because he was a bicyclist uh at the turn of the 20th century and was frustrated by the mud and the ruts that you were talking about so yeah, well, I don't know if it studied or not, but that was a good reference. Oh, yeah, well,
1: good. I'm glad. I'm glad I was able to bring that home and localize it for you.
0: <laughs> so yeah, so let's talk about that. Uh, you know, environmental justice and social justice and the way roads were built and divided communities and um, what's going to be kind of the competing forces uh, weighing on, on Secretary Buttigieg to to balance. You know what he's done in his advocacy as a mayor for complete streets. And for uh, you know multi modes, but safety and and safety is a top priority. So it seems like whether you're you know on the side that thinks we should be building new roads or expanding roads, you would agree that when we rebuild them, we should make them safer. And many need to be rebuilt. Um, that doesn't have to be an argument about about expansion. It can just be an argument about fixing what we have. Um, does it have to be either or? Or can we can we try to do you know all these things and please folks on both sides of the lobby?
1: Well, I think that when we begin to have these kinds of conversations, that one thing that hasn't happened in the past that we need to bring into the conversation now is land use and land use decisions about where people are going to live and where the resources are going to be. Uh, developed because transportation is a facilitator in many respects. Yes, we can induce demand by building, say, a new lane on a on a existing highway, or even building a new road out into a place that's never had any development before. But ultimately, a lot of those decisions are land use decisions, and 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 uh, transportation infrastructure, uh, especially state departments of transportation, often get dinged and criticized for just wanting to lay asphalt and concrete and pave the world. And that's not really the case. So uh, as we look at transportation as a source of equity and transportation as uh, the foundation for good quality of life and economic development, we need to bring in the conversation about land use and what do our communities look like and where are we going to build the resources and and. And where are we going to put people and and what are our communities going to look like in 10, 15, 20 years?
0: Yeah, no, I think you make a really good point about land use driving the decision and people thinking, people beating on the DOTs for, you know, building roads that were made necessary by land use decisions that policymakers and, and, you know, corporations and people who invested money made. So you've got no choice but to, to follow up at that point. So I I think my here's here's an interesting
1: thing, Jeff, that that I I read a stat the other day that that uh, an anticipated 20 million people will be moving away from major population centers like New York, San Francisco, uh, where we see intense urban development uh, into what are perceived to be more livable, uh, moderate sized cities and even smaller communities throughout the country. So they found out because of the pandemic because of the pandemic exactly with uh with a growing interest in or, or support for and availability of of work from home and 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 uh, virtual office spaces people are going to move where they feel like they're they get a higher quality of life well what that anticipates then is uh additional impacts on these local communities around the country that 20 million people moving around the country in the next two to three years is going to be a huge shift in population and demographics so what is that going to do with transportation? So,
0: I read some of those same things, but I wonder if post-pandemic um, some of those same concerns aren't driving decisions as much as we anticipate. I mean, it's just really hard to tell what the future is going to be. There's still a big draw for younger people just for the energy of, of urban areas and metropolitan areas in those cities. So are they really going to just give up on all that? I, I don't know. Sounds like you think they will.
1: Well, here's I think a contributing factor, and now we're getting maybe a little beyond infrastructure. But if you look at another statistic I read recently, that uh, the the largest demographic in the workforce in the next three four years is going to be the millennials. And if you look at the age of the millennials, they're having children later, and they're and and uh, uh, you know been a belief for a while that this drive toward moving into the urban center uh, that you would see the millennial generation actually wanting to move back out to the suburbs and back out into the uh, uh, more uh, rural communities uh, once they have children. And and so if you look at that lineup of virtual workspace, uh, virtual office environment, I actually do believe that, this, that, that we are going to see a shift in people moving back out to the communities. Maybe not, Maybe not to the extent that some people have forecast, but you're gonna see it.
0: And you're gonna need maybe other means of transportation. Maybe that's where uh, connected corridors and you know autonomous vehicles running back and forth all day long come into play. Um, yeah. yeah. So um, I, I think one fear I have is that given all that's gonna be on a new secretary's plate because of the pandemic, um, you know what's going on with the airlines, what's going on with transit systems and the need to help Recover uh, is that his his focus on safety and Vision Zero and and carbon reduction and all those strategies that are really important are going to be kind of lost or set aside for a while. I mean, do you think that uh, there's a way to dovetail all those things into a, a priority structure and get something done?
1: I do. I think that what you'll see are a couple of vehicles in the next year for sure uh, that will that will tee up some of these issues on on the US DOT's to-do list. And uh, one of them is the anticipation that the new Biden administration will want to do some sort of stimulus uh, bill early in uh, the administration. So, you're looking at late spring, maybe April, May in that time frame where they're going to really try and get something done. And among that could be some investment in infrastructure, and that means infrastructure writ large. So, that would be the electrical grid or that might be Pipelines or that could be other broadband. Exactly. could be a big issue. But the idea that, you know, let's build it and put people to work and and help the economy get back on its feet after uh, the battering it's taken from COVID. Uh, we, We hope to be part of that conversation from a transportation infrastructure perspective. So that'll be one opportunity. The second, I think, will be later this year. I'm sorry, later in 2021, when the surface transportation bill is up again for authorization, reauthorization, and there's going to be a lot of conversations in that. And there's a little bit of some uh, a constructive roadmap, if you will, if you look at what came out of the House Transportation Infrastructure Committee in 2020 and some of the proposed legislation. Uh, led by chairman defazio and and how that could be crafted into a, a broader bill and watch the senate side come come along and and see if they we can match those things up but there's a lot of policy in the in the house transportation infrastructure bill that that probably will be informative and that that we anticipate the administration will want to build on
0: Well, the uh, secretary nominee has already uh, thrown a little shade toward the term infrastructure week. Would it be okay with you if we never heard that again?
1: (laughs) I mean, it started as a good idea. uh, But the unfortunate thing is that when we begin to make commitments, people who are listening on the other end want to see some action. And that was the problem with uh, with the co-opting of that term. I, there's lots of terms in transportation we try not to use anymore. We, we try not to say things like shovel-ready projects. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, I think you'll hear a lot of uh, conversations about projects that are shovel-worthy,
0: so they're worthy of moving ahead. That but is a better term. Absolutely. So um, thinking about that, the big lift and uh, another, another stimulus and like you said, it would be omnibus for infrastructure, not just roads and bridges, um, not just what we think of as transportation infrastructure. but uh, what how much of this depends on on agreements between uh, what happens in this the Senate, especially? I mean, we, we know who the who the advocates are there. Um, we know that the Senate Majority Leader uh, is is married to what will soon be a former transportation secretary. Um, do you think that there's, there's shared priority enough to do something big like that? Well, we
1: hope so. And traditionally, transportation has been, like I referenced earlier, it's been one of those issues that both conservatives and progressives have been able to get behind. They come at it from different perspectives, but ultimately, uh, there's a lot there that is a shared value. I think the other thing that you'll see this year that could uh, enhance the ability of getting some things done is that in the House, specifically, there's talk about adding back earmarks in a controlled way. And if that's that's something that is in the mix, you could see more congressmen and, and perhaps some senators coming forward and saying, yeah, I can get behind a transportation bill because I can more easily point back to something that's going back into my home state or my home district.
0: Isn't it interesting that something that became such a pejorative earmark is now, over the years, kind of evolved again and been recognized as as an important important component of getting something done?
1: Well, a lot of people will analyze uh, why we why we lost earmarks in the first place, but the truth of of it is is that without the ability of a congressman or a senator to be able to identify a project of significance, it's very difficult to go back into their. Uh, reelection campaign and say, hey, I was able to help bring back this particular pot of funding for this particular activity. So it does, I think, help when we're trying to get agreement with all those congressional members and all those senators to to have them be able to be on the record with something that is positive for where they're going. The federal program is so large, so vast, and covers so many different areas that it's, it, it is a challenge helping people see the direct benefit from the 19 cents per gallon at the pump into what they receive back uh, in value.
0: So, you know, at the same time, just to touch on this again briefly, uh, we talk about greenhouse gases and reducing the footprint and everything that that we know Mayor Pete supported as a candidate and supported in his infrastructure plan. And obviously his infrastructure plan now is whatever President-elect Biden's plan is. But... uh, Energy is is a big part of that. It's a huge component, and the the big automakers, certainly GM and Ford, are going all in, embracing electric vehicles, seeing that as the future. And the nominee for Secretary of Energy is former Michigan Governor Jennifer Granholm. Uh, It's probably not a coincidence that those two were announced the same day, really within hours of each other. Um, So how big a deal is that, do you think, uh, in in terms of priorities going forward?
1: Well, it It's a big deal on two levels. One is that the State Departments of Transportation will play a key role in helping to build out the infrastructure to support an alternative fuel system for personal vehicles and trucks. So what you see is, for instance, out on the West Coast, Washington, Oregon, California coming together and building a coalition that has actually helped facilitate the installation of infrastructure to support electric charging, electric vehicle uh, uh, fueling. Um, and other places around the country have done some of the same thing, but on a more intentional and, and, and broader basis. I, I see that coming, and I see that money f- coming through the Department of Energy, but also through the U- the U.S. Department of Transportation, FHWA. Um, so, that's the first thing. The second thing is, as you see electric vehicles, if electric is the ch- the fuel of choice, or maybe it's hydrogen or both, or mixture, uh, you're going to see a move away from the uh, use of gasoline, uh, and, and, uh, carbon fuels. And so what does that do to the highway trust fund that is reliant upon the 19 cents a gallon that people pay at the gas? It, makes it, even, it makes it even more broke than it already is. It does. And it, and it's an erosion that is a slow trickle for a period of time, but then we get to a tipping point and I, I don't remember what the number is, but you get to a a tipping point, a certain percentage of the of the light duty fleet that goes to an alternative fuel. And all of a sudden, it's like uh, falling off a cliff and you see real significant impacts into the Highway Trust Fund.
0: Well, this has been helpful, um, we'll wrap it up, but uh, let me ask you this. Let's say that the first time that a Secretary Buttigieg gets to address AASHTO, um virtually perhaps or maybe, you know, in person at some point, and you get a chance to ask a question You get one question, what would it be?
1: I guess if you recast the question into what would I expect to hear, um, I I hope that what I would hear would be a rhetorical bridge um, to relationship building. I I know that uh, it would be easy to fall in line with some of the, the more progressive perspectives that transportation agencies like state DOTs are part of the problem. But ultimately, what we're looking for is uh, the opportunity to work with the administration, work with USDOT, FHWA, and the other modal ad- administrations uh, to come up with solutions to some of the nagging problems and some of the things that have uh, caused so much unrest, whether that's environmental justice, whether that's public involvement, whether that's uh, looking for alternative fuels to uh, convert over, but, uh, you know, I think that they'll find a good partner in the in in Ashto and its member departments in the next four years.
0: No, I think that's good. I think that I, along those same lines, I think I'd want to ask him how he can balance, you know, those, what seem like competing interests, but don't have to be, because his focus on, on safety, I think, is so important now. I mean, as you know, across the country, certainly Michigan is going to be up probably 10% in fatal crashes over 2019, despite the fact that we had, you know, 60% fewer vehicles on the road for weeks and settled in at about 20% fewer. I mean, it makes no sense, right? And that, that focus on safety is more important than ever, I think. Uh, so he can say, look, you know, rebuilding roads for safety, especially as it affects pedestrians and cyclists, that's that's a social justice imperative when you think about the demographics and and who those users are. So, we can do all that and please all sides, I think. It doesn't have to be either or, but I'd, I'd like to hear him talk about that.
1: Well, his track record so far has been one where he seems to look for those kinds of solutions that are in addition to rather than in spite of. And so, you know, you see him as additive rather than as, as, a, as a, a sort of, you know, looking at a single issue at a single time.
0: Yeah, well said. Well, Lloyd, thanks, as always, for doing this. I, uh, I really appreciate it. Hope you and your family have uh, great holidays. Yeah, happy
1: holidays to you, Jeff. Thanks for asking me.
0: Okay, thanks again for listening to this week's edition of Talking Michigan Transportation, and I want to give a special thanks to Corey Petey, who uh, does the sound engineering for the podcast, and to Sarah Martin uh, of MDOT, who does the show's intro and closing. That's a wrap for this edition of Talking Michigan Transportation. Check out show notes and more by subscribing on Apple Podcasts.